0: My name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is your co-host Ben Dickerson ready to do the top half of the power rankings and look at the brain trusts of all those teams. Yes sir. We're going to do the brain trust and the roster resets because you got to have talent. That talent means nothing. And the question is How good a job did those brain trusts do in bringing the talent to their team? So it's going to be very interesting. Last week, we did the bottom half, and um, I did put out a clip, and it was the one with Denver. And I thought the Denver one was great because we were in discovery mode. (laughs) And you were talking about the lack of experience with the coordinators, like high experience, with the, uh, the head coach, high experience with the quarterback, but those coordinators in between had a lot less experience. And I was like, that sounds like what Russell Wilson <laughs> dreams of practically. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So they're going to be in there listening to me, <laughs> you know, because he has all the experience. But, um, you know, just finding out about those experience levels, you know, really is going to be interesting because. You know, it's a coach's battle as well, for example. You know, uh, when you're out there, on, you know, on, on a football day, you know, sometimes we kick off the show and talk a little bit about uh, the NBA playoffs because we both love the NBA. And we just had a, a serious uh, game where the Celtics came from behind uh, in San Fran and beat the Warriors at their own game, dropping threes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, did the Warriors coach get out-coached in this game? Hmm, that Celtics coach is no joke. He, he's a first-year coach, but he ain't no joke. He's really got them believing.
1: There's I think there's a difference in the makeup of each team as far as um, their psychological approach to the game. I think the Warriors can't help but feel like, yes, we're the favorites. Yes, we deserve to be the favorites. Yes, we're going to win this thing. You know what I mean? As opposed to the Celtics kind of thinking, we earned our way here. We fought through every possible adversity. There's no way we're going to be stopped now. I think those two different philosophies are going head on here. And the Celtics really dug deep for that one. And... They showed the uh, versatility, if you want want to say, of their entire team makeup by having people that they don't normally depend on for scoring actually come through when their main guy
0: was having an average day. That was big. That was huge. But you know something? Um, Those guys who you you say don't normally, you know, score. I didn't say they don't don't
1: normally score. I said they're not normally –
0: depended on for well, a lot of scoring. I saw a lot of scoring from some of those guys in, in some of the earlier playoffs. I think Al Horford is one of those guys that we saw scoring through the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, Al's hot here, man. He might be 16 years in the league, but he, you know, he's, he's giving it to him out there. And then he wound up dropping like what, six threes, like in the fourth quarter or something like that.
1: I yeah, he's he was gonna was. have
0: games like that. But Tatum's
1: supposed to score. He, 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 Tatum's supposed to score 25 to 40 every night. That's what I mean by dependent on. Jason Tatum is dependent on to score no less than 25 on up. <laughs> That's what they depend on him for. Al Horford is dependent on. Hey, give me 16 and 8, 16 and 10.
0: That's a real good day. If you get me 20 plus, Salute to you. That's the difference. Well, I I understand what you're saying, but I I actually got the feeling that um, Jason Tatum and his coach are are at ease with him having that other part of his game, that assist part of his game, take over when his scoring part is not in in effect real heavy. Well, kudos
1: to him for doing a uh, non uh, hardened thing and saying, Hey, maybe I'm not on tonight. I'm going to make sure that I get other guys in position and get the ball to them. You know, that's a
0: good thing for him. So I I thought it was a very interesting game. This series is going to be a a great series to watch. Um, The coaching battle, I think is going to be very interesting. There was a lot of questions about uh, how long they sat Steph Curry in that game. And, you know, stuff like That's that.
1: nitpicky. That's nitpicky
0: stuff. They're, uh, trying,
1: they're trying to give them excuses. Oh, he should have sat. He should have said three minutes instead of four and a half minutes. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> I don't want to hear that. The matchup that, that I was looking um, specifically for uh, and keeping my eye on, or I shouldn't say matchup. The two guys, one on each team, uh, one is smart for um, Boston, and the other is boom. For the Warriors. Because I've, I've watched them both just look great at times and then have mind farts. Boone looks a little hectic out there. He 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 looks like he's running um, at, at, at a, a little extra gear. And he doesn't look smooth necessarily in that in that last game. He didn't look smooth, he looked a little hectic and he tends to dribble into trouble. Um, so it's interesting to keep, keep an eye on him Smart actually played a really great game, great defense and had him on the sideline doing a little coaching telling everybody what to do and how to you know how to set it up and everything. The only time i've se- I've seen him at the end of games take really you know just ho- hold on to the ball and then take bad shots that that they didn't have even have rebounds in place for. That that happened in a few games. And I, I even posted about that one game where he did that. But that wasn't the case in this in this game. Um, and if he stays on, and, and if Boone doesn't get on, that's going to be uh, definitely problematic for the Warriors, I believe. So could be right. There you go. That's our basketball analysis. All right, let's get to what you came here for. And that is. A breakdown of the brain trust and the roster resets for the top half of the NFL teams based on the Sterling net point power rankings. So we are now in, all of these teams are uh, in the positive end of the net point power rankings. Always want to remind people that when it comes to net points, you can be positive or you can be negative. And at any one time, half of the league is in the negative. So uh the, the most negative team, I believe, was the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was the team we started off with last um week when we did the show. This week, let's get to the top half of the synopsis of the NFL brain trusts and the roster resets based on the Sterling Netpoint Power Rankings. And again, ladies and gentlemen. Remember to push the subscribe button and to click on the notification bell so that you'll know when we put out some of this good football information. So let's get ready to kick this thing off. Our first team is the Los Angeles Chargers. Now the Chargers any um were plus 15 in net points i believe they came in 16 so we're going 16 to 1 now so they would have been 16th in net points uh for last season's regular season their brain trust includes general manager tom telesco head coach brandon staley oc joe lombardi dc ronaldo hill special teams coordinator ryan ficken and quarterback Justin Herbert. So you know this is an interesting group. Brandon Staley has already sort of distinguished himself as someone who's going to go for it on fourth down and take some chances and follow some of the analytics, man. But he's got he's got an absolute beast at quarterback who can do pretty much everything. And he's so young he came out came out smoking you know, out of the clear blue sky, and he hasn't really slowed down yet. So I guess my questions are going to really be about this OCDC special teams, these guys in here. What do you got on this? Well, we'll take it
1: from the top, and we'll talk about the GM first and run it on down, as I'm going to do for every team. I'm going to uh, go through their brain trust, being the GM, the OC, the DC, and in some instances, the quarterback and give you some background on them and their careers and some resume type information on each guy. So we'll start with the Los Angeles Chargers. Their GM is Tom Telesco. He's got 31 years as an NFL executive serving as a scout for the Panthers and the Colts. He was director of scouting and play personnel for the Colts and GM for the Chargers. He's been the GM for the Chargers since 2013. So he's been around. He has a lot to do with the way this team is shaped right now. The head coach who you just spoke of is Brandon Staley. He has six years of NFL coaching experience, almost all of it on the defensive side of the ball, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Uh, He's been a position coach for the Bears and the Broncos, and he's been a a defensive coordinator once before for the Rams uh, before becoming the head coach of the Chargers his offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi Joe Lombardi shares some coaching bloodlines he's the grandson of the great Vince Lombardi of the old Green Bay Packers he's got 16 years of NFL coaching experience serving as a defensive assistant with the Falcons and an offensive assistant uh, also with the Falcons now that's that's a little different most coaches come in and kind of get locked in on one side of the ball or the other this guy has experience on both sides of the ball. Uh, he's been a co- quarterback coach with the Saints, and he was an offensive coordinator for one season with the Lions and with the Lions back in 2014. Uh, he became the Chargers OC just last season 2021. Their defensive coordinator is Ronaldo Hill. Ronaldo Hill has a 10-year career as a player to lean on. He was a cornerback with the Cardinals, the Raiders the Dolphins and the Broncos, 10-year career in the NFL is pretty nice. He's seen a lot. He was a DB coach with the University of Wyoming and the University of Pittsburgh. Those are two D1 schools before he became a DB coach for the Dolphins and started his NFL coaching career. Uh, he was also a DB coach for the Broncos between 2018 and 2020. Uh, that was with the Dolphins and the Broncos between 2018 and 2020 and he became the Chargers DC just last season. And of course, the starting quarterback for the Chargers is Justin Herbert, a fine young quarterback, one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch, and uh, in a very tough division is gonna make some noise, I'm sure.
0: Uh, You you said it right about being in a tough division. Um. We talked about that division uh, for a while. So, All right. Well, in order to deal with that tough division, they're going to have to uh, have a little bit of a roster reset.
1: Okay. When we talk about roster reset right now, what we're mainly talking about, key additions, either through free agency or – key losses also possibly through free agency. Oh, and some of the additions could be re-signing of current players. So when we look at the charges, we see uh, Khalil Mack obviously is a big addition as the top flight edge rusher in the league. JC Jackson also is a key addition, a top flight cornerback. How they got him away from the Patriots, I have no idea. And they also re-signed wide receiver Mike Williams, who had a career year last season. Their biggest losses aren't really that big, in my opinion. Uh, Brian Balaga, an offensive tackle, and Linville, Linville Joseph, a defensive tackle, probably the most important guys, uh, good players still that they lost. Um, let's look at the draft here real quick. Uh, they didn't have a great draft, although they did pick up Zion Johnson from Boston College. He was among the top guards in the draft coming out and they got him because obviously uh, taking care of Mr. Herbert is very important. So they added Zion Johnson to the offensive line. Uh, JT Woods is a decent safety coming out of Baylor. In the fourth round, and you won't hear me talk too much about anybody past the third round in the draft, but I found this guy to be kind of interesting. Isaiah Spiller is a running back out of Texas A&M. He's possibly a steal all the way deep into the fourth round because he was the brother of a former Saints running back by the name of C.J. Spiller, that some of you guys might remember. We got some bloodlines going there. You know how I feel about bloodlines, so we'll keep an eye out for Isaiah Spiller.
0: All right. Up next, we have the Seattle Seahawks. Again, an E means that they were eliminated from the playoffs. However, they would have come in at 15th with plus 29 net points. The brain trust includes GM listed as John Schneider, head coach Pete Carroll, offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, defensive coordinator Clint Hurt, and special teams coordinator Larry Izzo. Quarterback we have listed is Drew Locke. That's a bit (laughs) up in the air. Well,
1: (laughs) let me just say real quick about Mr. Drew Locke. Word out of Seattle, if you can believe Pete Carroll, which I'll tell you right now, you cannot believe Pete Carroll, (laughs) says that Drew Locke will be their starting quarterback. I do not believe that. I believe that the Seattle Seahawks are still in the running to pick up Baker Mayfield. Until the season starts and that hasn't happened, I will continue to believe that Baker Mayfield will end up in Seattle. So that's all I'm going to say about that right now. But that's what I'm predicting. If it's not Carolina, it'll be Seattle.
0: Look for Baker Mayfield. He ain't done yet. Okay. So Can let's I start say something. With, yeah, sure. Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo seem to be in the same boat. Yeah, money. Places that they could potentially go don't want to pick up their salary. I'm looking at an article now. You're absolutely uh, correct. Basically, it's the Panthers saying. They want no part of his hefty salary. That is correct. Same thing with him and Baker, you know?
1: Uh, Yep. I understand that. But, you know, NFL teams have a way of working things out, especially when it comes to money. So we'll have to keep him posted on that. That's why Uh he had his brain trust here. That's right. These are the guys are going to have to work this out. GM John Schneider has 29 years as an NFL executive serving as a scout and a director of pro personnel with the Chiefs, vice president of player personnel for Washington and director of football operations for the Packers. So this guy's been around a little bit with uh, some different teams and has held these positions which are very, very important positions for every organization. He has been GM of the Seahawks since 2010 so he's been around long enough to have built a nice team and he's been around long enough to have seen a nice team start to deteriorate his work's really cut out for him his head coach Pete carroll also has been around for a long time Pete carroll was a position coach and a defensive coordinator for several major college programs before starting his nfl career as a coach He started off as a DB coach with the Buffalo Bills in 1984. He went from position coach to defensive coordinator, and then to head coach of the Jets. Then he went to the 49ers as their DC, and ended up as the head coach of the Patriots from 1997 to 1999. Again, this guy's been around a little bit. Um, He was fired, (laughs) went back to college, went to USC. I can't remember, I think he either made it to and or won a national championship, then came back to the NFL as the head coach of the Seahawks in 2010. Been around ever since, seems to be known as a player coach. Players seem to like him. Hope that keeps up because they got a long way to go to get their team back together. His offensive coordinator is Shane Waldron. Now Shane Waldron, has bounced around between different college programs and NFL teams as an offensive position coach mostly. He was a position coach and or an offensive assistant with Washington and with the Rams before becoming the Seahawks OC just this past season. The defensive coordinator is Clint Hurt. He started coaching his career at the D1 college level as a defensive line coach for the University of Miami and the University of Louisville, both D1 schools. He started his NFL coaching career in 2014 as defensive line coach for the Bears and has been the assistant head coach and defensive line coach for the Seahawks since 2017. Uh, Last season is when he actually became
0: the defensive coordinator. All right, all right. So you don't quite believe in Drew Locke, eh, sir? It's hard to believe in Drew Locke. Uh, I know
1: <clears throat> I kind of look at Drew Locke a little bit like I look at my quarterback, uh Daniel Jones. His teams, the teams that the team he was on, the Denver Broncos, were kind of similar to the Giants in the way they constructed the team. They didn't really, as, as the Giants owner said, didn't do him any favors. The difference is they actually did try to help Drew Locke at least offensively by getting him a nice, young, talented wide receiver core. But they couldn't quite keep the defense together, and they depended too much on their passing game and being so young. Then he started getting the run game together, but he just continued to falter. That's why it's going to be hard to believe in him with the Seahawks. The Seahawks kind of need a savior at quarterback, uh, somebody to at least right the ship after losing Russell Wilson. I don't see Drew Locke being able to do that.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's a, a a signing that uh, they did not have to do. You know, nobody forced them to do that, so they must be thinking something there about Drew Locke. Uh, you know, or else they're seeing him as a backup. And like you said, they're going to go get, you know, and then he'll be back in a backup role like he kind of was at one point with the Broncos. Yeah, my thought process is they saved
1: money by signing him and starting him. They can use that money to maybe pick up some free agents and some other positions and position themselves at least money-wise uh, for the next draft that's coming up that's going to have a better quarterback class. They might be going. Just, they might just decide to just eat this season, you know what I mean? They might just let the season,
0: season in the NFC West, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not hard to tank there. It's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of tough games, man, for a team that's hurting. Well, let's see who they got as a roster reset edition. Ah, roster resets. Well, well, well. Their biggest addition probably will be. Rashad Penny, the running back, staying with them. He looks to be working his way into being the starter there. Uh, I I mean, Drew Locke is (laughs) – I don't know if I call him a big addition, but he is an addition. And I think they re-signed Cadre Diggs, their safety. Uh, That's that's a good move. Uh, Unfortunately, on defense, they lost Bobby Wagner. And the biggest loss, of course, is Russell Wilson. That's a huge loss and a huge gain for Denver. But the way this team is going, I don't even know if Russell Wilson could pull them through this. And you don't want to tank with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. That's just, that's just disrespectful. <laughs> uh, when we look at the draft, in the first round, they got themselves a top-flight offensive tackle. Whether that helps Drew Locke or helps the new incoming quarterback for the draft next year, either way, this guy could be a mainstay of their offensive line. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State is a top offensive tackle and should be a Seahawk for a long, long time. Uh, Let me see. Round two, they got a linebacker. Boye Mafé, I don't know a whole lot about him. He's out of uh, Minnesota. Kenneth Walker III is a nice running back. He's basically a steal in round two. Played at Michigan State. He transferred from somewhere. He, he's a guy that went through the transfer portal. I think he was with Clemson first. And they weren't necessarily using him properly, or maybe he thought he wasn't being used properly. He transferred to Michigan State, had a big year. That's, uh, that's, that'll be a big plus for them um abraham lucas round three i don't know a whole lot about him All but right. he is
0: another offensive lineman which they obviously need yeah ot's two of them you got two of them in the top four picks so yeah it might help drew i noticed you don't mention any of the other quarterbacks who are supposedly going to compete for this uh quarterback spot because i don't believe they're going to compete Oh, well, let's move on to the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> who also were eliminated. They are plus 29 net points. And, again, these were gross net points. So that means over the season they only scored 29 more points over a 17-game season than their opponents did. Right. So that's not the, That's not what you call dominance, and that's no. what the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings is looking for, to kind of pick out the teams that are dominant even though your number one team does not win the Super Bowl generally. <laughs> so that's almost like a Madden curse now to be number one. <laughs> well, as we all know, the playoffs is a whole different animal. Whole different animal. Well, any event, the Brain Trust for the New Orleans Saints is now listed as general manager Mickey Loomis, new head coach Dennis Allen, Offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. You have your special teams coordinator, Darren Rizzi. And you have an interesting connection uh, situation here where you have co-defensive coordinators. Ryan Nielsen is going to handle the line, and Chris Richard is going to handle the secondary. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then quarterback, they have listen one, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, who I'm always rooting
1: use. for. Yeah, I'm, I'm always rooting for Jameis. Jameis has had some hard luck. Some of it brought on him by himself. Uh, and some of it just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm talking about team-wise, not off the field. But um, let's see. Let's start with the GM. That's Mickey Loomis, a name that I'm sure a lot of people have heard. Uh, He's been around for a long time, 22 years as an NFL executive. All 22 years have been with the Saints. You won't hear that too much. A lot of these guys have moved around from scouting departments here and there before they get locked in as a GM with a particular team. Mickey Loomis has been with the Saints his entire 22-year NFL career. Um, when he first came to the Saints, he was the director of football operations, and then he became the GM in 2002 and has been there ever since. He also served as executive vice president of, th- this is interesting, I, this is a tidbit I threw in, he also served as the executive vice president of basketball operations for the Pelicans from 2012 to 2019, yes. Yes, but simultaneously, simultaneously between 2012 and 2019. He was the GM of the Saints and the executive vice president of basketball operations for the Penguins, for for the Penguins, for the Pelicans. That That is amazing. For all I know, maybe he worked for the Pittsburgh Penguins, too. I don't know. This guy's amazing. Seven years,
0: right? If I'm if my math is somewhere close. That sounds right how crazy I mean, you that? a lot of gms don't have a seven-year career working for one team one
1: team this guy worked for two teams in two different sports i think that's amazing
0: i think that's amazing too <laughs> i really do I really wow do. okay okay we we'll definitely have to make sure we we uh promote that to the people that yes, is
1: Sarah give mickey loomis um, some props okay head coach dennis allen He started his NFL coaching career with the Falcons back in 2002 as a defensive assistant and was a defensive assistant with the Saints from 2006 until 2010. He became a defensive coordinator for the Broncos in 2011 and uh, got hired as the head coach of the Raiders back in 2012. That only lasted two years, unfortunately, for him. He was fired. He went back to the Saints in 2015 as a defensive coordinator and held that position until becoming the head coach starting the season after the retirement of Sean Payton. The offensive coordinator is now Pete Carmichael. He started his NFL coaching career in 2000 as a tight ends coach for the Browns. He was an offensive assistant with Washington and with the Chargers before joining the Saints in 2006 as a quarterback coach. And he's been the offensive coordinator since 2009. Now, as mentioned, we have co-defensive coordinators. Ryan Nielsen works with the line. Chris Richard works with the secondary. Nielsen has been with the Saints since 2017 and has been the defensive line coach that entire time, I believe. Richard came over from the Cowboys in 2019 and has been working with the Saints secondary ever since. Evidently, these two guys work really well together. Therefore, they're just going to keep rolling with the two of them handling the defense together. So you mentioned 2019? Yes. He came over from the
0: Cowboys in 2019. Okay. So that's like, okay. So, yeah, if it's been working. Right. You know. All right. All right. So there's your brain trust, including Jameis Winston. Here's your roster resets for the New Orleans Saints. I will consider Jameis Winston a big addition by re-signing
1: him. I believe he will now get his true chance to actually be the number one QB and and earn the position of number one QB on his own team. I'm looking forward to this season for Jameis Winston. I've always been a Jameis Winston fan ever since Florida State. Uh, picking up Marcus May as a safety was pretty big, got him away from the Jets, and he re-signed one of their receivers, Traquan Smith. So I think uh, they did pretty well there. Their biggest loss of course, is losing Sean Payton as their head coach. He was a top-flight head coach, coached him to a Super Bowl win. Um, he'll definitely be missed, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, on Mr. Allen as the new head coach uh, let's see Teron Armstead offensive tackle Oof, big loss Marcus Williams Oof, pretty big loss at safety I don't know how the Saints are going to do this year but those are pretty big losses the, the 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 additions don't really add up to make up for them but their first round draft pick definitely does Chris Olave is a wide receiver out of Ohio State, very highly touted, was the number seven pick overall, and I believe he will live up to that, no doubt about it. Also, their second first-round pick was Trevor Penning out of northern Iowa, a very big, big, big guy at offensive tackle to help protect Jameis. Nice pick up there. Uh, second round, they got Tay Taylor, a safety out of Tennessee, I'm not going to pretend I know a whole lot about him. Uh, But I do know they need some help at safety since they lost uh, Marcus Williams. So hopefully Taylor will be a plug and play
0: for them on their defense. Yeah, man, you talk about plug and play. I'm looking at this Trevor Penning plugging and playing for Teron Armstead there. I see OT and OT. I don't know if they play the same side or not, though. Um, I'm trying to remember. Trevor Penning is a big guy. Um,
1: I think he played both tackles in college at one time or another. Whether or not they'll be able to plug him in at left tackle, I
0: don't know. We'll see. All right. All right. Uh, next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. So the ex- they actually made the playoffs. Um, they were plus 59 in net points. So that's not real, real bad. Um, their brain trust includes GM Howie Roseman, head coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator Shane Stetchen. I think it's, it's Stetchen. Stetchen. I think Defensive so. coordinator Jonathan Gannon, special teams coordinator Michael Clay. Quarterback Jalen Hurts.
1: There's your brain
0: yeah. trust for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and they've been working
1: hard. They've been working overtime trying to make sure that keeping Jalen Hurts on his fifth-year option was the right thing to do. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did do that. Um, They are trying to build this team around him, and they're going to give him every opportunity this season to prove that he's their quarterback of the future, especially with a uh, quarterback-friendly draft coming up next season. He's pretty much got to prove himself this year, but they are trying to help him do that. GM Howie Roseman gets talked about. We're here in Philadelphia, so we hear his name quite a bit. Uh, Let me give you a little background on Howie for people that may not know. He started his 22-year NFL executive career with the Eagles as their salary cap expert. That's how they brought him in, and he's been doing that ever since on top of his other – Responsibilities. He's been the Eagles. He's been with the Eagles ever since he came in. Uh, director of Football Operations. He's been Vice President of Football Administration, Vice President of Player Personnel, and he became the GM in 2010. Uh, along with becoming the GM back in 2015, he also or they also added the title for him of Executive Vice President of Football op- Operations. So pretty much anything that has to do with this team goes through Howie Roseman. Um, His head coach, Nick Sirianni, spent four years as an offensive assistant and a position coach for the Chiefs and five years as an offensive assistant and position coach with the Chargers. Two nice organizations to have worked with. Uh, Good to have a nice little resume there for him. Uh, He became the offensive coordinator of the Colts in 2018, and he was hired as the head coach of the Eagles just this past season. Jury's still out on how that went, but they did make the playoffs, which a lot of people didn't think they would, so I would say uh, it was pretty much a success for him coaching-wise. His offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name correctly, he spent almost all of his coaching career with the Chargers, which is probably how he hooked up with Sirianni. Um, he was an offensive assistant and an offensive coordinator, and he became the offensive coordinator for Eagles just last season. The defensive coordinator is Jonathan Gannon. He's moved around pretty often. He's been all over the place, as a matter of fact. He's been def- a, a defensive assistant with the Falcons, the Titans, the Vikings, and the Colts before becoming defensive coordinator of the eagles just last season so this entire coaching staff has one big old year under their belts with the eagles they did make the playoffs so kudos kudos to them for that but now it's the second year and we have to see how they gel and
0: keep this thing going all right philadelphia eagle roster resets including the draft which a lot of people gave a oh, good not great on
1: yeah, they did get a good grade on their draft, and I'm kind of with them on that one. Um, let's see. Before we get to that, big additions. Hassan Reddick, a guy, I think he's a Jersey guy originally. He played at Temple, outside linebacker, was with the Cardinals for a little while. They got him away from Carolina. That should be a good addition. The Eagles aren't one of those teams that usually pay attention to the linebacker position. I've been watching Eagles for a long time. So getting Hassan Reddick is kind of big for them. Uh, resigning Jason Kelsey obviously is a big deal. One of the top centers in the NFL for the past few years. Uh, they were able to keep Fletcher Cox and they signed A.J. Brown away from the Titans, which was huge, especially for Jalen Hurts. Now with Devontae Smith on one side, And um, A.J. Brown on the other side,
0: their passing game just took a huge leap. Um, A.J. Brown made the uh, statement um, recently that uh, the Eagles have two number one receivers. That is correct. Yeah. I I
1: would agree with that. I would agree with that. Jalen Hurts has to find them because when they only had one number one receiver last year, there was a lot of video of him being wide open, not getting the ball. <coughs> so, okay. so we'll see how this works out. Big losses. Hassan Ridgeway, D-line, not that big a deal. Losing Brandon Brooks to retirement, though, was. Uh, Brandon Brooks was a solid player at the offensive guard. Alex Singleton at linebacker losing him. Again, not a big deal. Eagles did well. They did well. Alex Singleton, to me, is like a crash test dummy. He made a lot of tackles, and offenses funneled their running game right at him. <laughs> Bro, he took some brutal hits.
0: Really? He gave
1: out a few, but he took some brutal hits, man. That guy was not built for an NFL linebacker. I don't even know what team he went to or if he even got picked up by anybody else. All right, now let's talk about this pretty stellar draft the Eagles had. First round, pick number 13, Jordan Davis, a big-time defensive tackle from Georgia. Let me tell you, the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia was just on TV again the other day. I watched the replay of that. There were so many players in that game that all went in the first round. It was crazy. I was trying to watch them all. It was nuts. Jordan Davis is a big-time addition to their defense, um, and he's got Fletcher Cox to mentor. him. Second round, Cam Jurgens. This guy was a surprise pick. He's a center out of Nebraska, but supposedly they brought Jason Kelsey in to help them decide who they wanted as his successor. I believe Jason Kelsey may only have one or two years left in him, so he helped handpick his successor as center, and that's this guy, Cam Juergens. Um, in the third
0: round, and you this mean guy. How we, how we let somebody else make a decision? Yes, He's yes. The decision making process? Yes, yes. Ralphie Yes, how he actually
1: listened to a player. Oh. Well, I mean, what better player to listen to, though? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? This guy's tops at his position. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's a veteran, you know? Why not? But here's here's the crazy one. This guy dropped to the third round when he really shouldn't have. N'Kobe Dean, again, a linebacker, a position that the Eagles usually ignore. They got N'Kobe Dean, and he's out of Georgia. He's their first big-time picket linebacker
0: in a long, long time. So I'm looking forward to watching N'Kobe Dean. So, so the, the young man who, who was being interviewed on uh, the NFL channel, might have been SportsCenter, mm. who said something to the effect, Howie, for the love of God, we need linebackers. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Howie finally listened. <laughs> so Howie listened to both uh, a player and a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eagles fans have been screaming that forever. Probably ever
1: since. uh, uh, Who's their last really good
0: linebacker? (laughs) The X Man, Trotter, Jeremiah Trotter. Trotter. (laughs) It's been a long time, man. Um, and 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 you know our friend Mark, and you know which Mark that is. Uh huh. Oh, you should hear him talk about how he hates Howie. (laughs) Absolutely hates him. But okay, we'll have to see how this goes. That's what I mean, the hopefully
1: goes. he gave him credit for this
0: draft. This draft is pretty good. He might have to. He might have to. Sometimes. I mean, you
1: know, it takes time to see how the players fill in and how well they do, but uh this looks
0: like a couple of real surefire picks here. Well, you know, and then Jalen Hurts, you know, it's about oh, you yeah. know, raising your raising your pocket game. You know Definitely. what I mean? And, and Definitely. You got receivers like that, a nice tight end, Definitely. a nice running back. You you got weapons all around you. you oh, know? Yeah. So that offensive coordinator uh, position that we were just talking about is going to be interesting. Who's that? Shane Steichen? Yeah. Now, is Shane going to be like uh, over with Kansas City where it's the head coach who basically getting all the offensive coordinator uh respect I, you know
1: i that's hard to tell i know that um nick sirianni comes from the andy reed tree somewhat uh he did work for the charges so he worked for staley with the charges too um i'm not sure I, I don't watch them that closely to tell who's making play calls I believe Sirianni makes a lot of play calls, if not all of them. But that doesn't mean that uh, Steichen doesn't have anything to do. You know what I mean? Usually when you have an offensive coordinator that works with a head coach who makes most of the offensive calls during the game, most of their work is done in preparation of the game plan, what have you, and, and running through stuff with the, with the players during the week before the games. Uh, so he has a whole lot of input as far as the plays that are being called, what they are. Now, what gets called and when it gets called is up to the actual play caller, okay? But but that offensive coordinator has a whole lot to do with the actual
0: plan. So, all right, all right, they work well together. We'll see how it works out. And and again, back to your point, you got two Georgia guys and what? Uh, between uh, pick number thirteen and pick eighty-three, that's amazing. And you and there was probably a bunch of Georgia guys in also in there that went to other teams, but these are just yes. two guys that got picked on the same team. So yes,
1: I'm 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 really curious about the Dean. If this guy really turns out to be a top-notch linebacker, getting him in the third round is a definite steal, without a doubt. He's coming off an injury, though, right? Yeah, he had some kind of injury, and he claimed or his agent said that he's perfectly fine. Some other people are saying it was a bad injury. I think it was a pectoral muscle somewhere in this area. I'm not exactly sure. Um, He he must have passed the physical. I believe he's in OTAs, so he had to pass
0: the physical. So I'm going to assume he's okay. Let's move on. To my, ouch, (laughs) San Francisco 49ers, we did make those playoffs. We were plus 62 in net points. Well, our brain trust is GM John Lynch, head coach Kyle Shanahan. Now, here again, we have one of those split responsibility coordinator situations where Bobby Slowick, Mm-hmm. Is the offensive passing game coordinator and Chris Forster mm-hmm. is the O line and run game coordinator? You know, okay, I'm gonna leave that alone. Specialties, huh? I just kind of remembered reading something and
1: I, I hope I say this properly. Rumor has it that Shanahan for sure and possibly some of these other head coaches and GMs that have this uh, co-coordinator thing going on, do it on purpose to leave the actual title of offensive or defensive coordinator open for somebody who proves to them that they're too valuable to lose. In other words, Let's say Bobby Slowick and Chris Forrester work really well together, okay? But Chris Forrester really proves himself in a way where he really improves the defensive line and improves the run game. And the, the, and the team's whole uh, run game situation elevates itself, okay? He may become a hot commodity to other teams after the season's over. They may not want to lose him. They could in fact elevate him to the offensive coordinator title and leave Bobby Slowick as an assistant offensive coordinator. In other words, the title carries a little bit more money and a whole heck of a lot more prestige
0: with it. You see what I'm saying? So this is a negotiating tactic. Yes. To yes. People- to yeah. say, okay, uh, rather than let you go, we'll, we'll, we'll make you the yes. offensive coordinator. So they leave yes. it. Open. And that
1: means a lot to these guys. That means a lot to these coaches.
0: Well, we've seen two teams and in, in so far in this half of the show that have that type of a situation. Right. Well, I'll keep an eye out on that. Um, and I believe the Niners have done it before.
1: I, I can't remember, remember off the top of my head which coaches they lost Lately, that went to teams, but they
0: kept them an extra year. Well, that might have been, for example, um, uh, what's uh, what's the coach who went to Miami? Our offensive coordinator. He's now their head coach. Yeah, right, right,
1: right, 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 right. I think they made him offensive coordinator last season. Now, of course, he he loved being made offensive coordinator, but he's not going to turn down being a head coach.
0: You no. know. What I mean? Absolutely, not. but they might have got another year out of him by doing that. Well, the guys who apparently uh, ascended to their coordinator jobs are D'Amico Ryan's for defense and Brian Schneider for special teams. We have Jimmy Garoppolo listed as the quarterback in the brain trust, and he, as long as he's there, yes, you know that's that's going to be like that. Um, and uh, Trey Lance is sitting in the in the background. And again, as a fan, I still don't have a problem with Trey Lance sitting another year and, or at the very least sitting behind Garoppolo because if you want to bet that he's going to get hurt, then let him sit there <laughs> and you know that at some particular point, yes, young Trey Lance is going to get his opportunity right. you don't need to push it. Right. It's know? not like he's going to be nailed to the bench. You know what I'm saying? Never to
1: see the field again. The chances of Jimmy going down. <laughs> have proven to be uh, pretty good. <laughs> so, well, hey, but I will say this. Uh, to me, keeping Jimmy doesn't hurt you at all. It, some people might think it's kind of stagnating young kid, but I, I don't know. Somebody made an observation on TV the other day. I think it was one of my favorite guys to watch, Nick Wright. He said, you know how? these teams have been showing young quarterbacks in OTAs making these throws and, and practice and doing this or that. He said, how come we never see any Trey Lance video?
0: Is he that unimpressive perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Something to think about. Well, for is not going to even let you have a clue as to who the potential offensive coordinator is, obviously, We are about subterfuge. Oh, okay. They're keeping them under wraps, huh? Keeping them under wraps, you know? All
1: right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let's see who's making those decisions. That would be their brain trust. Starting with GM, John Lynch. John Lynch. Unlike most NFL GMs, John Lynch started his executive and administrative career right here as the 49ers GM, not like anybody else, okay? He uh, became the GM of the 49ers 10 years after retiring from a 14-year playing career. He has absolutely no front office experience except for what he's gotten since being the GM of the 49ers, (laughs) and he's held the position for the last five seasons. And done pretty well with it, as far as I'm concerned, considering he was never a scout. He was never a, you know, player personnel guy. Never did any of that. Came right in, jumped right in, and took over the reins and did fairly
0: well. Well, I, I, believe, I believe he was a, a big fantasy football guy, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if he was, then I guarantee
1: you that helped him. <laughs> okay? Because I could probably do a GM job in the NFL. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: so, Oh, I'm not supposed to be tooting my own horn in this? Oh, no, go ahead. Tooting horn. Oh, okay. you're, 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 you're the guy who I remember was just talk about you, you were so in awe at these guys coaching in the NFL. They had to really know what they were doing. And yeah. we used to argue about that because I used to go, they barely had to know somebody. That's what they had to know. <laughs> Now, well, as you can see
1: by these extensive resumes I'm going over with these guys, a lot of them really had to work hard to work their
0: way up to where
1: they are now.
0: So they had to show some kind of smarts. Well, a lot of these names are names that we, you know, we, we know. We know D'Amico Ryans, for example, you know. Yeah. We yeah. know that name. He's got a football history. So I, I like and our brain trust. I don't, I don't have a real problem I, with it. I have um, no problem with your brain trust. In fact, fundamentally, Kyle Shanahan is calling the plays. Yes. uh, Again, bloodlines, Super
1: Bowl winning head coach Mike Shanahan. What is his dad? Uh, He spent 2004 through 2007 as an offensive assistant and position coach with the Buccaneers and the Texans. And he was the offensive coordinator for the Texans for the 2008-2009 season. He was offensive coordinator of Washington from 2010 to 2013, and he was offensive coordinator of the Browns uh, for 2014, yeah, right. One year with the Browns, yep. Washington, 2010 to 2013, he was OC, one season with the Browns in 2014, then became the offensive coordinator of of the Falcons from 2015 to 2016. Unfortunately, he was part of that Super Bowl collapse, but coached the team very well through the season. He's been the 49ers head coach since 2017. Excellent head coach. I really like Shanahan. Uh, again, we have a two-way thing going on here with the offensive coordinator, which we talked about. And of course, it makes it a little bit simpler when we know that Kyle Shanahan does most of the offensive work on the sidelines during games. So these other two guys give him their offensive passing game plan and their Offensive line and run game plan, he puts that together to make his game plan each week. Um, Let me see. Oh, a little bit about them. So, uh, I already did that. Oh, D.C., D'Amico Ryans. Yes, we know D'Amico Ryans. He enjoyed a 10-year playing career as a linebacker for the Texans and for the Eagles. How many people out there remember D'Amico Ryans played for the Eagles? He served as a defensive assistant and linebacker coach for the 49ers from 2018 to 2020. And he became the D.C.
0: last season for the 49ers. So that's when we lost the uh, the coach who went to the Jets. Yes. Robert Sala. Sala, right. My former defensive coordinator. Yes,
1: D'Amico was his linebacker coach and has now taken over.
0: That's see, see. That's how you run an organization. Man. You yes, sir. You're right. I agree. I agree. Right Keep going in them. House. They already know everybody. In-house, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. All righty, all righty. So uh, is that the brain trust? Ready to move on to the roster reset? Sure thing. Roster reset for the San Francisco 49ers. additional additions, signings, losses, and draft picks. Uh, let's see, additions.
1: Javaris Ward is a pretty decent corner. Mostly plays slot corner, got him from the Chiefs. I'm going to consider him a pretty good addition. Ray Ray McLeod is a wide receiver from the Steelers. He was probably their lowest rated wide receiver. Not a big deal there. Uh, George Odom is a decent safety. Uh, I'll consider him a decent addition. Nothing really big to shout about here. Uh, although I do like Ward at slot corner. He's a pretty speedy guy, covers pretty well. Big
0: losses. Uh,
1: I don't know. I ask you as a fan, what do you think about losing DJ
0: Jones? I, I like DJ Jones. DJ DJ Jones fill up some a space on that line. Good run stopper, decent Yeah, yeah, especially. Okay. okay. Um, Lincoln Thompson is an okay offensive guard. Uh, you know, working well with him MVP. too much. And but Raheem I, Mostert. You know how you much know, I love Raheem Mostert. You man.
1: know I love Raheem Mostert, man.
0: Oh my god.
1: You, you love the dude. from a fantasy perspective. I love him from a fantasy perspective when he's on the field. Unfortunately for most, he gets hurt a lot. But when he's healthy, I try my best to keep
0: him on my team. He yeah. is now gone to it, it, it takes discipline dog. when i'm playing madden not to put him in because he's sitting right there on my roster
1: right. I'm like
0: now nah, i'm not going to get used to him again because once you get used to that it's, it's hard to change your your yeah, whole muscle is. twitch changes from one running back to the other and i'm used to mitchell <laughs> now so i'm sticking with mitchell and uh i i a canon i like cannon too because he's fast he's he's got right. his speed So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what we wind up with. And especially, you know, if Well, you still got Elijah and you still got Wilson. I I think if both of them come
1: back healthy, that kind of puts Cannon as a kick returner.
0: Yeah. And that's what he does. That's what I use him for in most cases. So, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Your draft wasn't anything to really shout about, bro. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about all these guys. Terion Davis-Price running back out of LSU. I'm going to say we'll keep an eye on him just because he's out of LSU. And I think the wide receiver from SMU, Danny Gray, could end up making some noise. Uh, SMU had a nice passing game. Danny Gray might make a little noise there.
0: Uh, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm hoping our round four offensive tackle can help. Uh, I, you know, I always am looking to – Sure, oh, line. we have a few strong linemen and a few weak linemen, so anything
1: offensive can... line, no matter how late you take them, usually they're always worth keeping your fingers crossed that they'll pop up and be really good. That's the one position that kind of ends up guys end up proving themselves
0: over and above their worth on draft day. You know what I mean? All right, I'm looking forward to that. All right, next up, the Tennessee Titans, a playoff team. They were plus 65 in net points. Their brain trust includes general manager and executive vice president John Robinson, head coach Mike Vrabel, offensive coordinator Todd Downing, defensive coordinator Shane Bowen, and special teams coordinator Craig Aukerman. The quarterback is still Ryan Tannehill. So they 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 had a, a massive playoff brain fart last year as a team. Yeah, it got a little ugly.
1: Got a little ugly. I think I lost some money on that game too. Uh, did you really? I think I did. Yeah, I can't. Uh, It must not have been much because it would still be on my mind if it was. But but I know I was rooting for them. Okay. I know I was rooting for them. But anyway, let's look at this brain brain trust for the Tennessee Titans, who are, in my estimation, on the borderline of rebuilding mood. Uh, GM and Executive Vice President John Robinson. When you hold both those titles kind of like Howie, here in Philadelphia. That means nothing happens on this team without you making it happen. Um, he started his administrative and executive career in 2002 with the Patriots, not a bad organization to come from. Started out as a scout and the director of scouting for the Patriots. He served as director of player personnel for the Bucks before becoming the Titans GM in 2016. The head coach is Mike Vrabel another guy that came over from New England or had his beginnings in New England. He had a 13-year playing career, pretty stellar career, too, as a player, uh, as a linebacker. He played for the Steelers and the Patriots and a little bit for the Chiefs at the end of his career. He spent three years as linebacker coach and defensive line coach at Ohio State, big-time D1 school before coming in to the NFL as a linebacker coach for the Texans. That was in 2014. He then was promoted to defensive coordinator for the Texans before becoming the head coach of the Titans in 2018. Nice little resume. Mm
0: -hmm. Offensive
1: coordinator Todd Downing was a defensive assistant with the Rams back in 2006, and he was also an offensive assistant and quarterback coach with the Lions for five years and then served as quarterback coach for the Bills and the Raiders. So there's another one of those guys that kind of started out on one side of the ball and ended up on the other. Uh, He was an offense coordinator for the Raiders and a Titans coach for the Vikings and Titans before he became offensive coordinator last season. Defensive coordinator is Shane Bowen. Only a six-year NFL coaching career here. That means when you have a defensive head coach like Mike Vrabel, Uh, this guy, Shane, has got somebody to lean on. Uh, like I said, he's only had a six year NFL coaching career as a defensive assistant with the Texans and a linebacker coach with the Titans before being elevated to defensive coordinator last season. Uh, the quarterback Ryan Tannehill never has been touted as a great quarterback. Um, almost look like a bust with the Miami Dolphins before being traded or going over as a free agent to the Titans played well with the Titans and resurrected his career and then fell on his face in the playoffs last year. I don't know what to say about Ryan Tannehill. I really don't. I can't bet against him not coming back or bouncing back. And I can't bet against him being done, but I will say, uh, if I can jump as real fast, into roster restructure uh, these guys picked up a quarterback somewhere along the line didn't they Malik Willis oh that guy Malik Willis that sounds to me like it could possibly be a quarterback controversy <laughs>
0: that at like least make at least
1: the competition at least the competition now the one thing I will say for Tannehill, he shouldn't panic too much because they waited till the third round to grab Malik Willis. I'm sure they kept their fingers crossed that he would drop that far. But I'm pretty sure they had their eye on him even in the first round after they saw Kenny Pickett go and some of these other guys. They kind of kept their fingers crossed. Willis dropped to the third round and grabbed him then.
0: Uh, I'm surprised he he dropped to the third round.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be their quarterback in the future, though, regardless of what happens this season or next as far as the competition or controversy about who's going to be the starting quarterback. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Their big losses, uh, Jalen Brown at linebackers, pretty decent loss. Roger Saffold, the offensive guard, is gone. Um, he, was, he was a big player for their run game with Derrick Henry, obviously. And Rashawn Evans was a decent linebacker. Not too bad there. Um, how did I – oh, yeah, right. Okay. Decent draft. Oh, I know. Everybody was real concerned. I know Titans fans were very concerned about losing A.J. Brown. Trelon Burks is a wide receiver out of Arkansas. Super fast. Really good hands, nice route runner. I don't know if he can fill A.J. Brown's shoes, but they're sure going to plug him in there and try to make that happen. Trelon Brown's going to be a good player. Uh, Treylon Burks is going to be a good player for them. He's their first-round pick. Their second-round pick was Roger McCreary, a cornerback out of Auburn. Nice player. Uh, let me see. The other second-round pick is an offensive tackle out of Ohio State, although I can't say a lot about him. If he's an offensive tackle out of Ohio State, he's going to be good. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Then, of course, we have Malik Willis and we have Hassan Askins, another running back uh, from Michigan. Uh, Pretty decent player, if I remember correctly. Not um, not a guy that was really talked about before the draft, but could end up being a decent player. And, you know, you always need running back
0: depth behind Derrick Henry. So we'll consider that a good move. All right. All right. So there's your roster for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, man. Um, You're right about the Traylon Burks thing. I mean, when you lose A.J. Brown, that's that's some shoes uh, to fill right there for a young guy coming in. It'll be interesting to see how he makes out. Next up, we have the Green Bay Packers. At plus 79 net points, their GM is Brian gutenkust head coach Matt LaFleur, offensive coordinator Adam <laughs> Stenovich, defensive coordinator Joe Barry, special teams coordinator Rich Basaccia, and quarterback one Aaron A.R. Rogers. So, that's what you call a brain trust right there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Can't go too wrong with these guys. Uh, Gutengust, I hate that name. He's had had a 24-year career as an executive, beginning as a scout with the Chiefs and then with the Packers. He stayed with the Packers and became director of scouting and then director of player personnel before becoming the GM in 2018. So he's homegrown. Head coach Matt LaFleur started his NFL coaching career as an offensive assistant and a quarterback coach with the Falcons in 2015. I believe he was on the same staff with Shanahan, if I'm not mistaken, at least for a little while. Uh, He was an offensive coordinator for the Rams in 2017. And the Titans in 2018, he became uh, head coach for the Packers in 2019. So he had O.C. jobs with the Rams and the Titans before becoming the, the head coach with the Packers. So he's got a decent little resume there. Offensive co- coordinator is Adam Stenovich, He started his NFL coaching career in 2017 as an offensive assistant with the 49ers. He became the offensive line coach for the Packers in 2019, and he held that position along with run game coordinator until last season, and now he is the offensive coordinator. Again, pretty much homegrown once he came over from the 49ers. defensive coordinator is Joe Barry. Uh, from 2000 to 2020 has been a linebacker coach for or a defense coordinator For the Buccaneers, the Lions, the Chargers, Washington, and the Rams. So he's been around a long time on the defensive side of the ball with a lot of good teams. He is now the defensive coordinator for the Packers, having become that just last season. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Not a whole heck of a lot to say about that.
0: A.R. They just took on the young guys, him and Tom Brady, and beat the young guys in a few rounds of golf there. Young guys yeah, they did won Patrick Mahomes and one Josh Allen. Well, you know, I'll say something about that golf
1: thing. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have probably been playing golf as an off-season hobby far longer than Mahomes and Allen, first of all. So experience-wise, I mean, these guys take golf very seriously. You know th- these young ball players; they take a golf because the old heads play golf. You know, what I mean? <laughs>
0: they and they want to be cool. Yeah. Okay, Benny. So that wraps up the brain trust for the Green Bay Packers. Next up, we have the roster resets. Let's take a look and see what their new lineup is going to look like, including their signing of the highest. Paid player in the NFL right now, one Mr. Aaron Rodgers?
1: Yeah, obviously yeah. Aaron Rodgers was big. Uh, I also believe that signing Alan Lazard is going to be big too. From what I've seen, Alan Lazard will probably be the number one receiver on this team going forward. Mm. <clears throat> Considering these humongous losses of Devontae Adams who is arguably the best receiver in the league going to the Raiders? And Marcus Valdez Scantling, who was coming along pretty nicely, he's now off to the Steelers. Um, Darius Smith is going to be a big loss, too, also a linebacker. He's going to division rival the Vikings. Oh, those aren't real good losses, man. Those have been some big losses. So. Uh, yeah, big potentially coming back to bite you losses. <laughs> yes, they are. Now, they did well with their two number one picks in the draft. Uh, Quay Walker is a linebacker from Georgia that I got a second look at when I watched that uh, replay of that national championship game again. I think Nicole Dean is probably the better of the two, but Quay Walker is a pretty nice linebacker. And Devontae Wyatt was a steal at defensive tackle uh, from Georgia also. Well, I can't call him a steal. He was the number one pick. Got picked 28th overall, though, so he did fall a little bit. This is a guy who's arguably the best D-tackle out of the bunch, so we'll see. I don't think they can go wrong with either of those two picks. Um, The second second
0: team we've seen, the, the other one being the Eagles, with two Georgia guys in there. Yep. On that list
1: there. Yeah, they had a lot to choose from. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they did that, and I think that's going to pay off for them. Second round, let me see. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, Sean Ryan, I don't know a lot about him either. But, again, an offensive lineman. In round three, four, five, you never know. Studs have been known in that with that position to come out of the late rounds. So, again, you keep your fingers crossed and you train them well and you see what you come up with. So I never frown on an offensive lineman getting
0: chosen late. Well, you got uh, Alan Lazard as a wide receiver, and you have the Christian Watson coming in, and we know that um, – Aaron Rodgers wanted more targets. So it's interesting with the loss of uh, Devontae Adams, you know, that uh, I don't see more wide receivers unless they pick them at maybe later rounds. One of the things that the Packers do seem to have a a good idea or, you know, be good at is finding, you know, value in some of those later rounds. So we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, that takes up the roster. Reset for the Green Bay Packers. Moving up the net point line here with another playoff contender last year, the Arizona Cardinals at plus 83 net points. Brain Trust includes general manager Steve Kime, head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Offense. So, again, we've got this uh, situation here where we have an offensive coordinator at of cam turner and spencer whipple mm-hmm. uh who i have they have listed as co-pass game coordinators right mm-hmm. working for a head coach who likes to call his own place you know what i'm saying dc one vance joseph we know him special teams coordinator sean kugler and quarterback kyler won't you please sign me murray <laughs> Yeah, Steve Kime's got his hands full trying to get that signing
1: done. Kyler Murray is not happy with the way things went last season. Uh, He wants to be compensated. Steve Kime has made it pretty clear that they don't want to lose Kyler Murray, which they would be crazy if they did, in my estimation. So he's going to have to figure something out. I'm expecting to see that signing happen, though before the season begins. Uh, Steve Kahn is the general manager. He spent his entire 23-year executive career with the Cardinals. Again, it's funny how we're talking about homegrown guys and guys that have been with organizations for a really long time, now that we're up amongst the higher-rated teams. do you notice that?
0: <laughs>
1: if you remember last week when we talked about the bottom half teams, a lot of them, these guys were like first-year, second-year GMs, first-year, second-year head coaches. Now we're starting to see guys that have been around for a while and either have really nice resumes or have been at their position for several years going forward. Um, he started out as director of scouting, was also director of player personnel, and is now the GM and has been so since 2013 head coach is cliff kingsbury now after a pretty successful career as a college coach cliff kingsbury he actually coached at the university of houston texas a m and texas tech all d3s d3 schools all d1 schools with high powered offenses a lot of that was due to cliff kingsbury Um, he was hired as the Cardinals head coach in 2019, probably because of those high-powered offenses that he handled at D1 schools. Trying to coach Mahomes, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um his offensive coordinators are co-coordinators. Uh the co-pass game coordinator is Cam Turner. Um Spencer Whipple is the co- I'm sorry, pass game. I had pass game coordinator for both of these. I think. that and they are. I- they are. Oh, they're both co-pass game coordinators. So he doesn't have a run game coordinator. I right. find that interesting. <laughs> I find that very, very interesting. He's running the what you call him, man? What's it? What's it called again? The offense. I forget the red rifle or something.
0: <laughs> something crazy. I know. <laughs> I don't even – you know what? It slips my. Air, air, air. um, It 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 was the air something. Yeah, it slips my mind because
1: I don't think it's working. (laughs) It's it's not working as well as he expected it to. Remember when he first came in? We talked about that extensively. Uh, The air so-and-so offense. Let's see how this works in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. Now we can't even remember the darn name of the thing.
0: Well, so, you know, Kyle Murray also had experience with it, so he knew how to, run, how to run it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So so is it ill-suited
1: for the NFL or have NFL defensive coordinators caught up with it? That is the question. But anyway, Cam Turner air raid. was an offensive. Air Raid, yes, the Air Raid offense. Cam Turner uh, was an offensive assistant and quarterback coach, and a wide receiver coach for the Vikings and the Panthers before he joined the Cardinals in 2018. And um, uh, Spencer Whipple was an offensive position coach at the University of Pittsburgh and at UMass before joining the Cardinals in 2019. So I I don't know. This This sounds a little shaky to me. It sounds a little shaky to me. He's got co-offensive coordinators who are co-passing game specialists. He doesn't have a running game specialist. And one of his passing game specialists came from
0: schools that are not known for the passing games. I'm confused.
1: (laughs) I'm confused. Well,
0: okay. All right. Um, But we do know that the the other part about the air raid was how much the quarterback had the latitude to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Right. Unfortunately, it looked like the
1: main adjustment was him running. (laughs) So, I don't know. Something's got to happen, man. Something's got to be done, there. Oh, we can't forget the D.C. D.C. is Vance Joseph. NFL coaching career began in 2005 as a D.P. coach for the 49ers. Excuse me. Yes, he was a player. Uh, He then served in the same capacity for the Texans and the Bengals before becoming the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins in 2016. Uh, He was a head coach at one time for the Broncos from 2017 to 2018 but he got fired from that job and then joined the Cardinals as their defensive coordinator in 2019.
0: All right. So there you go. The brain trust for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll have to see how this brain trust works out, but relative to their roster resets, here you go. Ah, first one that jumps out at me
1: is re-signing of, of James Conner. James Connor, who started off his career with the Steelers and looked like he was going to be a really big time running back, had some injury issues, ended up with the Cardinals, looked like his career was on the downturn, and then came back and had a career year last season. He scored double digit touchdowns, which is very rare. If you go back and look at last season's stats and all the running backs, few very few had double-digit touchdowns. James Conner may have led the league in touchdowns for running backs. I don't well, want to was try to remember this
0: short yardage goal line go to. That's right. Which we were surprised was- at because it was like you know it wasn't like you were going to the bus or anything. <laughs> this was James Conner. Yeah, but he scored like the bus.
1: <laughs> and and considering that they had some injuries to their other running backs. He held his own between, between the 20s, also. James Conner had a really nice season last season. Uh, they also resigned, resigned Zach Hertz, who seemed to resurrect his career somewhat last season, also. So that was a good job. And I see a name here Jeff Gladney. I believe that's the gentleman that was just killed in the car accident. Oh, really? I think that's, yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: Wow, that's going to go in the big losses category. Yeah,
1: Jeez. wow. We were really sorry to hear about that. I know I was. Um, yep, that's what happened there. Okay, so considering that is a big loss and also losing Chandler Jones and losing Christian Kirk and losing Chase Edmonds, all starters. Now, we'll say this. Christian Kirk, I consider an up-and-comer. He robbed them guys without a gun or a mask for the money. But Chase Edmonds is a big loss. Chase Edmonds and James Conner sharing the backfield for the Cardinals worked out really well for them. Not having Chase Edmonds now, I don't know they're going to have to really lean on Conner. We'll see if he can hold up to that. their draft wasn't tremendous. No first-round pick. Their first pick in the second round was pick number 55. That was Trey McBride. He's a tight end out of Colorado State. Evidently, they're looking to uh, make sure they have somebody to go to after Zach Ertz retires. <clears throat> Cameron Thomas, a D end out of San Diego State. Well, I don't know about these Pac-12 guys. A uh, friend of the show, my brother Donald. Doesn't like Pac-10 players, especially defensive players. So those two picks would be frowned on by him. Uh, I don't know these other guys. Oh, yeah, Keontae Ingram from USC. Decent running back. Also Pac-12 guy, but, you know, it's USC. So they used to be running back U. So I'm going to keep an eye out for him,
0: Keontae Ingram. All right, Keontae Ingram, part and, of the, puzzle. and we got
1: another late pick as an offensive lineman. So again, like I said, late pick offensive linemen somehow have a way of showing up after camp.
0: All right, late offensive linemen have a way of showing up after camp. All right, showing up next with plus eighty-four net points are one Cincinnati Bengals. Again, that letter means that they were playoff bound, a little higher up in the uh, playoff rankings, however, like clinching a spot, for example. Brain trust includes general manager Duke Tobin, who is listed as the director of player personnel. They have no GM actually listed. Head coach Zach Taylor, offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, defensive coordinator Lou, Rumo and uh, Special Teams Coordinator Darren Simmons. Quarterback one, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Man, can't say too much
1: about Joe Burrow. Can't say enough about Joe Burrow. A A long suffering team like the Cincinnati Bengals finally got their act together. Made some good choices in the draft got a decent head coach, got rid of a couple of really bad head coaches, and got themselves back up to the winning ways. I'm proud of the Cincinnati Bengals, and like I said, I can't say enough about Joe Burrow. That being said, this team is tasked, especially Duke Tobin, is tasked with making sure that they build this team around Joe Burrow especially offensive line wise i think if their offensive line was a little bit better they would have possibly won that super bowl game but their offensive line was decimated by uh i don't even want to give that one guy all the credit although he was super the rams defensive line pretty much took them apart piece by piece in the second half of the super bowl so regardless something's got to be done about that. And Duke Tobin is the man for the job. Uh, He is the director of player personnel. He does not carry the title of general manager, but he pretty much has all the general manager responsibilities. Here's another bloodlines guy. His brother Vince Tobin was a former defensive coordinator and head coach for a couple of different NFL teams. Duke Tobin has held the general manager title briefly for the Bears and the Colts or he held it briefly for the Bears and the Colts before he joined the Bengals in 1999 when he was GM of the Colts. Uh, this is just a little note for his prospects. He was GM of the Colts. He's the guy that drafted Marshall Falk and Marvin Harrison. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's got that on his resume. I I like that. (laughs) Head coach Zach Taylor, young guy, began his professional coaching career as an offensive assistant and quarterback coach with the Dolphins in 2012. He was an offensive coordinator for the Dolphins in 2015 and offensive coordinator for the Bengals in 2016. Then he was an offensive assistant quarterback coach for the Rams in 2017 before he came back to the Bengals and got hired, hired as the head coach in 2019. Uh, the offensive coordinator is Brian Callahan. He began his coaching career in 2010 as the offensive assistant with the Broncos. He was the quarterback coach for the Lions and the Raiders before becoming the offensive coordinator for the Bengals in 2019. Young staff, but they, they've been around a little bit. Uh, defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, NFL coaching career began in 2012 as DB coach with the Dolphins. He was also the DB coach for the Giants in 2018 before becoming the DC of the Bengals in 2019 and has been there ever since.
0: All right. All right there. And Darren Simmons coming in as the special teams coordinator. The roster resets for the Cincinnati Bengals. Some signings and some losses. Yes, and as
1: I said, their number one priority should be protecting Joe Burrow, and looks like they're on their way to doing that. In their big signings, they picked up Lael Collins, offensive tackle for the offensive and run game minded Dallas Cowboys. They now have Lael Collins. They also got a nice offensive guard from the Buccaneers, Alex Kappa. A guy that's been protecting Tom Brady for the last couple of seasons. Then they grabbed Ted Karras from the Patriots, another offensive guard. They've already begun rebuilding their offensive line. Big losses. I wouldn't consider them really, really big. They lost Riley Reef, who was an offensive tackle, who didn't play that well, actually, especially in the Super Bowl. He was one of those guys that got beat to shreds uh, by the Rams in the second half of the Super Bowl. C.J. Uzama is a nice tight end. Trey Waynes is a nice cornerback. Not too bad in the loss department. Uh, Their draft was pretty good. Their first-round pick was the safety, Daxton Hill, out of Michigan, nice player. Uh, Don't know a lot about Cam Taylor-Britt. And they got a D-tackle from Florida, Zachary Carter. I did watch a couple of Florida games because I like. <clears throat> I like the ACC as well as the SEC. Uh, Florida had a pretty good defense, so I'm going to give uh, Zachary Carter the thumbs up at D-tackle to end up being a decent
0: player. All right, so that completes the roster resets for the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, Benny, next up we have the Indianapolis Colts. Strange that they are eliminated at plus 86 net points, but they're another team who got their chance last year and went down in flames in the game that meant the most. Their general manager is Chris Ballard. Their head coach is Frank Reich, offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone, And now, new quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, one Matty Ice Ryan. Yep.
1: Yeah, Indianapolis Colts. Here's another team that went into the season with a lot of promise and things just didn't quite work out for them. Uh, GM Chris Ballard probably under fire a little bit for the Carson Wentz fiasco. But uh, besides that, as far as I'm concerned, he's shown himself to be a pretty good GM. He started his career as a scout with the Bears back in 2001 and ascended to director of scouting in 2012. So he was with the Bears for a long time. In 2013, he joined the Chiefs, excuse me, as their director of player personnel, then became director of football operations and stayed there until 2016. He was hired as general manager by the Colts in 2017. The head coach is Frank Reich. After a respectable playing career, mostly as a pretty efficient backup, old guys like you and me will remember Frank Reich from his playing days.
0: Great Uh, comeback,
1: right? Right, the great comeback with the Buffalo Bills. He became a coaching intern with the Colts and then served as a quarterback coach and wide receiver coach for the Colts and then for the Cardinals and the Chargers. So Man. he's been around to a couple different organizations. He Look at that back.
0: experience level they have listed there.
1: Yes, yes, very
0: 24 much. 24 so. years
1: total, yeah, it's great. He became offensive coordinator with the Chargers from 2014, 24 to 2015, and then became the OC for the Eagles in 2016 and 2017, was part of their Super Bowl win, Super Bowl 52. He then was hired as the Colts head coach in 2018, right after the Super Bowl win, makes sense. Offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, played and started his coaching career in the CFL. That was different, thought I'd mention that. Uh, he was hired as a quarterback coach with the Colts in 2018, and became their offensive coordinator just last season. So that was a promotion for him. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley began his NFL coaching career as a linebacker coach with the Buccaneers in 2006. He became defensive coordinator for the Seahawks in 2009 and is credited with the beginnings of building the Legion of Boom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the the very start of it. Anyway, he was hired as head coach of the Jaguars in 2013. Held that position until 2016. After that, he was fired, and then he was hired as the defensive coordinator of the Chargers in 2017. So you know the the, the, the his his um, success with the Legion of Boom, just kind of getting it started that. That, that rep held on. He held on to that rep, you know, becomes the head coach, gets fired, and then jumps right back in as a defensive coordinator for the Raiders. Uh, he held that position last season, and now he takes over as D.C. for the Colts. So he's new on the job there in Indianapolis. Um, Matty Ryan, obviously, is their quarterback, veteran quarterback, been to a Super Bowl, uh, well-respected We'll see what happens.
0: All right. All right. Questions. A lot of right. questions left unanswered for this team. I'll say that. Well, let's see what he has to work with them for the Indianapolis Colts roster resets here. What do you got? Ads, losses?
1: Rounds, oh, geez. <laughs> Ads, obviously, Matt Ryan, a big plus simply because you got to have some kind of a competent quarterback. Uh, they grabbed grabbed Yannick Ngakwe, a nice edge rusher, away from the Raiders. I'm not sure what that situation was there, if that was money or what was going on there. But uh, that's a big loss for the Raiders. Mo Ali cox will be re-signed as a tight end. He's a decent player. Their biggest loss is T.Y. Hilton, I think, is kind of on his downside. I don't know how many more good seasons T.Y. Hilton has left in him. Rocky Asim is a decent corner, not a big-time corner, not a real star, just kind of a solid guy. Uh, Mark Lewinsky, I believe, is a pretty big loss at offensive guard, and he was a big pickup for my Giants. He is now with the Giants, and I'm loving it. Uh, Let's see what they did in the draft. No number one, no pick in the first round. Round two. Pick number 53, they grabbed Alec Pierce, a wide receiver from Cincinnati. Now, if you're not familiar with his name, he played at the University of Cincinnati, a team that made it to the final four uh, in the college playoffs, a team that was undefeated for the regular season and quarterbacked by Desmond Redder. Uh, so Alec Pierce is going to be a real nice player. He should do well for the Colts. Um, uh, I can say a fantasy note here just because we're talking about them picking up as their first pick a wide receiver. Their round three pick is Jelani Woods, a big tight end out of Virginia. Should be a decent run blocker. I don't know how he'll do as a receiver, but the guy's huge.
0: And that's all I've got to say about those guys. All right, Benny. Next up, the Super Bowl champion. Not number one in the net points, but they were plus 88, which was strong. The Los Angeles Rams coming at us with a brain trust of general manager Les Snead, head coach Sean McVay, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Liam Cohn, defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, special teams coordinator Joe Camillus and quarterback one, Matthew Stafford. So there you go.
1: Start with Matthew Stafford. Came over to the Rams from the Lions. Resurrected his career. Had a stellar season. Played extremely well. Took the team to the Super Bowl. Played extremely well in the Super Bowl. And probably uh, sealed a Hall of Fame induction. If you take all his stats and compile them with a Super Bowl win, that's just my opinion. I think Matt Stafford pretty much is locked in to the Hall of Fame. To the Hall of Fame. Uh, GM is Les Snead. He started out as a scout with the Jaguars in 1995. So he's been around for a while. He joined the Falcons as a scout in 1997 and ascended to director of player personnel in 2009 and held that position until 2011. He became GM of the Rams in 2012 and uh, has been there ever since. So that means he's GM'd over two Super Bowl appearances. Appearance, Super Bowl number 53, where they lost to the Patriots, and Super Bowl 56, which they just won over the Bengals. Head coach Sean McVay started as an offensive assistant for the Buccaneers in 2008. He was an offensive assistant and then an offensive coordinator for Washington from 2010 to 2016. Another guy that worked under Mike Shanahan along with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, that's where he got his chops from. Uh, he was hired as the Rams head, co- head coach in 2017 and has seen over that team through two Super Bowls, one a loss, one a win. Offensive coordinator Liam Cohen has had a very short NFL coaching career, but it's been with the Rams. So we got another homegrown guy. He was an offensive assistant from 2018 to 2020 and has now been promoted to the offensive coordinator. And the defense coordinator is Raheem Mostert. I'm sorry. (laughs) Raheem Mostert. (laughs) Raheem Mars. Ah. I know that's, that's an easy mistake to make. Raheem Mars. Now, Raheem Mars has really been around. Your offensive coordinator has a very short career. Your defense coordinator has an extremely long career. He's held several titles between uh, 2007 and now, mostly with the Falcons. He was with the Falcons for a really long time. He has head coaching experience with the Buccaneers back in 2009 to 2011. He was a DB coach for Washington before joining the Falcons in 2015. And he served as an assistant head coach and passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach and DC and interim head coach. Wow. He joined the Rams as defensive coordinator just last season and did a good job with that defense getting them
0: to another Super Bowl. All right, man, that's that's wild. That is wild, man. All right, and so your Rams had to try to improve themselves let's see what their roster reset looked like hmm.
1: okay big additions Allen robinson without a doubt is a big addition and that matches up with their biggest loss which was robert woods so he lost robert woods at wide receiver pick up alan robinson that's darn near a wash I'll say in Robert Woods' defense, I believe he's a little bit younger than Allen Robinson, but Allen Robinson is a a top-notch wide receiver who unfortunately played his last few seasons for the offensively challenged Chicago Bears. Uh, Joe Nootboom is an offensive tackle. They re-signed him, did a great job last season protecting Stafford, great job in the Super Bowl. And they grabbed Bobby Wagner away from the Seahawks. I really thought Bobby Wagner was going to end up with the Cowboys. He has some relationship there with the coaches. Really? With Jerry Jones. That, that was the scuttlebutt. But uh looks like he's gone to the Rams. Big move for them. Uh, they did lose Andrew Whitworth a long time mainstay on their offensive line. He retired. I mentioned losing Robert Woods. They also lost Von Miller, who they had just picked up last year for the Super Bowl run. He's now gone, but he lands on his feet because now he's with Buffalo Bills. <laughs> so he's he leaves one contender and goes right to another one. Uh, on the draft, mm, didn't make a lot of noise in the draft as far as big name guys is concerned. Picked up an offensive guard round three. Logan Bruss, he's out of Wisconsin. You know they grow great big run blockers up in Wisconsin. <laughs> we know that after watching their running backs come out. Uh, in the fourth round, they got Dick Kobe Durant, who is a corner from South Carolina State. South Carolina State is an HBCU, isn't it? Uh, you might be right. I believe it is. Round four, that's great. That's great. Kudos to them for that. Uh, Round five is going kind of deep, but I remember the name Kyron Matthews. I'm sorry, Kyron Williams. He's a running back out of Notre Dame. Pretty decent player should be I uh, like that. He should do well. Rams look okay. like they haven't lost much. They're, they're, they're still positioned to probably get themselves back to the Super Bowl.
0: So the only thing they have hanging out there is, is Aaron Donald, who's uh, recently uh, in an interview said that, you know, he's fine without football. He can move on in life. and Yeah. <laughs> okay. He hasn't
1: really made up his mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, an interesting scenario. So we'll see if he's hungry. All right. Who's up next here? The Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. 116 plus 116 net points. Brain trust includes head coach Andy Reid, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Eric Biannimi, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, often assistant head coach, that's what AHC. He's listed as the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator David Tao and quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Okay. So... That's a power-packed group right there. Yes, it is. It's proven itself to be power-packed
1: from Patrick Mahomes on up for the last few seasons. Very well-built, very well-coached team, explosive offensively. Hopefully for them, they uh, plan to continue to be explosive on offense. And hopefully Brett Veach as the GM can get that defense together to match their offensive prowess. Uh, Brett Veach has worked as a coaching intern and coaches assistant and a scout for the Eagles from 2004 to 2012. All that time he spent as an intern and as a coaching assistant was under Andy Reid. He went with Andy Reid to the Chiefs in 2013 as a player personnel assistant and then the director of player personnel. And he was named the general manager in 2017 head coach Andy Reed well known here in Philadelphia started out with a 10-year college career as an offensive line coach so for 10 years mostly on the D1 level uh, some on the I I don't want to call it D2 maybe like mid-major level I didn't look at every single team or write down every single team that he coached for but he's a long time offensive line coach in college He started his pro career with the Packers in 1992 under Mike Holmgren as the offensive line and tight end coach. So he comes from the Mike Holmgren tree of coaching, and we know Mike Holmgren came from the Bill Walsh coaching tree. So nice little tree there for Andy
0: Reid. Hey, Ben. Yes. I like to think that Andy Reid started his pro career at the punt, pass, and kick competition where he was oh, the
1: every kid that was out there. <laughs> He's the biggest, fattest kid out there. <laughs> he looked like a pro compared to other kids. I'm
0: telling you. I'm, <laughs> that's still one of the most amazing things to see when you just see him standing in line with those other kids, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. That is an amazing thing all 90, right so we had 97
1: 1998 season he became the quarterback coach and assistant head coach he was hired as head coach of the Eagles in 1991 and stayed there till 2012 he was fired and then hired as the head coach of the chiefs in 2013 and won the super Bowl won Super Bowl 54 against the 49ers and lost Super Bowl 55 to the Buccaneers so two super Bowl appearances there. Also, had a Super Bowl appearance with the Eagles that they lost to the Raiders, I believe, back some years ago. Yeah. Offensive coordinator Eric Bienemy played running back for the Chargers, Bengals, and the Eagles. Wonder how many Eagles fans out there remember Eric Bienemy being on the Eagles. His pro coaching career started with the Vikings as a running back coach from 2006 to 2009. He took over the O.C. job at his alma mater, University of Colorado, back in 2011 and 2012. So here's another guy who had a, a coaching career in the pros, then went back to college, then came back to the pros and was hired as a running back coach for the Chiefs in 2013, and then became the offensive coordinator in 2018. Now, let me just say something about Eric Bieniemy that I just saw recently. Um, Who's the running back? Um, the running back for the Steelers that went to the Chiefs. Uh, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. You know what I'm talking about. He made a statement about Eric Bienemy not being hired as a head coach by another team. He says some disparaging things about Eric Bienemy as far as how he relates to players. I've never heard this before. And I never heard it mentioned by any other player. I don't remember anybody else saying anything about it. So I'll keep my eyes open for that. But it has been pretty curious even to us over the couple of, last couple of years how coaches are being hired and that Enemy being so successful, a coach with such a successful team, his name comes up every time for interviews, but he never gets selected. That's something to watch for in the future. Defensive coordinator is Steve Spagnola. I like Steve Spagnola. He was a defensive coordinator for my team, the Giants. Extensive coaching career as a defensive assistant, position coach, and a D.C. in college. And he also coached in NFL Europe before entering the NFL coaching ranks in 1999 with the Eagles. He was with the Eagles until 2006 as a DB and linebacker coach. He was hired by the Giants as defensive coordinator in 2006 and became head coach of the Rams and worked there from 2009 to 2011. After he was fired from that job, he became a defensive assistant and position coach with the Ravens before joining the Giants again as defensive coordinator in 2015. He became defensive coordinator for the chiefs in 2019. And of course, you know, can't say enough about Patrick Mahomes. So the job now is keep Patrick Mahomes on his feet and do some additions to that defense so that they can hang in there with their high-scoring offense.
0: Well, let's take a look at their roster reset, but let me mention the name that we both were struggling with, one, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, it was LaShawn McCoy, right. For
1: some reason, I was thinking it was, yes, LaShawn McCoy is the one that did the, Shady said that.
0: Shady said some shady stuff. (laughs) Shady threw some shade He's throwing shades Well they've had some ads And losses And I say a big loss I'll let you handle it though Okay
1: Uh, Let's see Who do I think you're considering As the biggest loss (laughs) Let me see Could it be the the, the, uh, Badger (laughs) 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 Any other time, it probably would be the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, who is a big loss. He's going home to New Orleans to be with the Saints, but I'm pretty sure the biggest loss for them is going to be the Cheetah. Tyreek Hill, going to the Dolphins. They're going to miss him. Uh, Charverius Ward was a pretty decent cornerback. He'll probably be missed too, Um, but he's going over to your team, the 49ers. Javerius, come on down. Come on down, right. Biggest losses. Oh, yeah, we already talked about. Biggest additions. Uh, Justin Reed at safety. Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming over from Green Bay. Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, they'll all be additions, and I'm going to consider them, in my opinion, big additions because besides Tyreek Hill, I was never really impressed with the Chiefs wide receiver core. I believe, although Schuster and Scantling are not number ones where they're coming from, they are improvements over the wide receiver core that the Chiefs (laughs) previously had. Okay. That's the way I look at it. So I'm going to consider them big additions. Uh, Draft-wise, ooh, Trent McDuffie. A real nice addition to their defense, as they're trying to shore up their defense. He's a cornerback out of Washington, one of the top cornerbacks in this week's uh, this year's draft. <clears throat> George Carlafdis is a defensive end, pass rusher from Purdue, also a top guy in this past draft, as far as that position is concerned. And Sky Moore, a wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Heard a lot of great things about Sky Moore. He showed at at the combine, and I think this guy is going to be really nice. Sky Moore is a wide receiver to keep your eyes on. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Jamar Chase, okay? But Sky Moore is going to be a factor,
0: especially playing with Patrick Mahomes. All right. All right. Sky Moore. With a name yeah. like Sky Moore. Great name, right? Great name for wide receivers. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. We're moving toward the top in the group here at 158 plus net points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers brain trust includes general manager Jason. Is it licked? I believe it's licked. Yes. Head coach Todd Bowles now. Offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, defensive coordinator Casey Rogers, and Larry Foote, both listed for the defensive coordinator position and special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong. And the return of one Tom Brady, back for yes, another sir. year. That's a big train, brain trust addition right there. Yes, Tom
1: Brady is a major brain trust addition, getting him back was huge for them. I, for one, never thought he was going to stay retired. He's one of those guys that plays for the love of the game and for the camaraderie. And I knew he would miss it, and I kind of figured he would come back, and he did. The general manager, Jason Licht, started as a scout for the Dolphins back in 1995 and worked in the scouting departments of the Panthers and the Patriots over time. He was promoted to assistant director of player personnel for the Patriots in 2002. He held the same title for the Eagles from 2003 to 2005. And then he was promoted to vice president of player personnel. He was a uh, director of player personnel for the Patriots and the Cardinals between 2008 and 2013. He then was hired as the GM by the Bucks in 2014. He has been a part of five different Super Bowl teams. Wow. Yeah, right. So it's a pretty good guy to have as your GM. Head coach Todd Bowles played as a safety for the Washington team and the 49ers. He was a pretty good safety too, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> Along with his playing career with those two teams, he's uh, his first coaching jobs. Whereas a defensive coordinator and secondary coach for two HBCUs, he was the defensive coordinator and secondary coach for Morehouse College in 1987, and for Grambling State University from 1998 to 1999. After that, he became he started his professional coaching career with the Jets as their secondary coach in 2000. He served in the same capacity for the Browns, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. And the Eagles before getting the DC job with the Cardinals in 2013, he was a head coach for the Jets from 2015 to 2018. Unfortunately, he got fired. But after that, he became the DC for the Bucks in the 2019-2021 season, and is now the new head coach of the Bucks now that Bruce Arians has retired. Wow! Awesome! 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 So, uh, where am I here? So again, another
0: organization that has continuity.
1: Yes, yes. And speaking of continuity, here we go again. Offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. He had a so-so playing career as a quarterback with the Jags, Falcons, Steelers, and Bucks, but's got good. Uh, he obviously has good offensive head on his shoulders. He was coaching intern, quarterback coach, and interim offensive coordinator with the Cardinals. I believe he was brought in there by Bruce Arians. He's kind of a Bruce Arians disciple. And uh, Bruce brought him over to the Bucs when he came over there and made him the offensive coordinator in 2019. We have another situation where we have co-defensive coordinators, Casey Rogers and Larry Foote. Rogers was a defensive line coach with the Cowboys and the Dolphins between 2003 and 2014. So he held those positions for quite a while. He was hired as DC of the Jets in 2015 and defensive line coach of the Bucks in 2019. And he got promoted to co-defensive coordinator this upcoming season. Larry Foote had a real nice playing career, 13 years as a linebacker for the Steelers, the Lions and the Cardinals. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. He was the linebacker coach for the Cardinals from 2015 2018 also same time when Bruce Arians was there Bruce brought him over as the linebacker coach for the Buccaneers in 2019 and he stayed there until becoming the new DC or co DC this season
0: and you know what can, what can i say about Tom Brady the goat <laughs> What can you say that hasn't already been said? Right, nothing much. So let's take a look at the roster.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: build around Mr. Brady this year. Tom Brady heads up the biggest addition
1: after retiring and then coming back and signing again. Again, um, Ryan Jensen is a top-notch center, one of the better centers in the league. Resigning Chris Godwin was big. I love Chris Godwin. He's a fantasy stud, and as long as he stays healthy, that is. And I know that him and Brady had a real nice connection. Uh, big losses, Alex Kappa, an offensive lineman. You always miss a good offensive lineman when he leaves. So that's a big loss for the Bucs, but a big addition for the Cincinnati Bengals who needed him. And Jordan Whitehead was a nice safety. He's gone now to the Jets. They did resign O.J. Howard who hasn't really fulfilled his promise as a tight end, maybe this will be the year. Uh, In the draft, they grabbed a tackle out of Houston, Logan Hall. Uh, I think he's well-respected coming into the draft. He was talked about. Uh, Luke Godecki, an offensive tackle from Central Michigan. I remember his name being kicked around as a pretty good player coming into the draft
0: also. Don't know All right, so you got a running back, and you have a tight end and a punter. Yes, I think that's why I included round four because there's a. Punter.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't even know that he's a punter. Good job,
0: <laughs> At, Hey, look out of Georgia.
1: <laughs> Holy, even their punter was good.
0: <laughs> Damn, I hadn't even picked that up. I just saw punter and put that. In. Even a punter got drafted. Woo, what a team. What a team, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, well, who could possibly top that? In terms of net points, you have your Patriots. Had a pretty good year last year in terms of net points. Yes,
1: and I must say, it was surprising to me that they ended up this
0: high in net points. I didn't see this coming in the beginning of the year. I don't think many people did. You know, but again, your GM coach brought one Bill Belichick. Now, there's a whole thing going on with the mystery of the offensive coordinator. There is none. So we have Matt Groh, director of player personnel, listed for that position. And Joe Judge, who you know very well, and Matt Patricia, who I'm sure you know also very well, are listed. In a co-situation as, as offensive coordinators, but uh, no specific offensive coordinator listed, none listed for the defensive coordinator either. Special teams is Cameron Accord listed as the special teams coordinator, and then we, we have—and um, I didn't mean to uh, skip over—Mac Jones. How could I skip over Mac and? Now, I have, I have a little correction for you. And, and Let's you do know, it.
1: When we, when we start talking about Bill Belichick, you'll understand kind of what's going on here. Bill Belichick is almost a one-man band, and Bill Belichick came up on the defensive side of the ball. Hence, having a defensive coordinator is probably not ever going to happen on this team. <laughs> However, they do have an offensive coordinator and uh, his name is Joe Judge, and you may remember him as being the head coach of the Giants since fired. But let me start from the top here. The general manager is Bill Belichick. However, his right-hand man is Matt Groh, who holds the title of director of player personnel. Now, not many teams allow the head coach to be the GM and the head coach. In fact, it's very difficult. And I know there's been a lot of head coaches who probably should have just stayed head coaches and not taken on the responsibility of being GM, uh, GMs and have pretty much have failed uh, careers because of it. Um, Belichick is the exception to that rule. Now, that being said, his de facto GM or his de facto, de facto, de facto assistant GM, de facto, that's a hard word to say, <clears throat> Assistant GM is Matt Groh. Uh, Matt Groh has spent his entire professional career with New England. Since 2011, he's been a scout, a scouting director, and now the director of player personnel. So GM Bill Belichick is also head coach Bill Belichick, widely considered one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, let's face it. He started his coaching career as an assistant with the old Baltimore Colts back in 1975. How crazy is that? He was a special teams. Talk about a guy who worked his way up, okay, not only to the top, but also to the top of the profession. He was a special teams coach and a defensive assistant. He was a defensive position coach. All three of those titles he held with the Lions. And the Broncos and the Giants before b- being promoted to defensive coordinator of the Giants in 1995. He, had the hel- held- he held the head coaching job with the Browns from 1991 to 1995. He was DB coach with the Patriots in 1996, defensive coordinator with the Jets in 1997 to 99. Then he became the head coach of the Patriots. From 2000, he's got six super Bowl champions as a head coach and two more as an assistant slash coordinator. Oh by the way, he's got a yacht and his yacht is called Eight Rings. <laughs> That's the name of his boat, eight rings. Um, <laughs> now the offensive coordinator is Joe Judge. Um, he was an offensive assistant and special teams coach. With the Patriots from 2012 to 2019. Um, with a pat on the back and a little push from Bill Belichick, he got hired as the Giants head coach from 2020 to 2021 and basically fell on his face. When he got fired, Belichick put him took him back and made him his offensive coordinator.
0: That's pretty wow. much how that goes. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's see what they've done here with the roster resets. Mm. I see an ad there. Here's a nice addition Devontae Parker,
1: decent wide receiver, got him from the Dolphins. Uh, now that Tyreek Hill's with the Dolphins, there's no room for Devontae Parker. He's still got some juice left, so he comes up to the Patriots. He will help them, he will help Mac Jones good possession receiver believe it or not malcolm butler comes back hard to believe they must have kissed and made up or either that or or malcolm butler burned them pictures he had (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't know what's going on there uh offensive tackle trent brown still got some juice still a top guy at his position um big losses J.C. Jackson, cornerback, big loss. Shaq Mason, mainstay offensive lineman, offensive guard, big loss. Kyle Van Noy, pretty big loss at linebacker, but not huge. He's kind of on the downside of his career, but still can play. So those losses are somewhat major, somewhat major. Uh, as far as draft picks, who did they get in the first round? Cole Strange, and this was a strange first round pick, even for the Patriots, but I can see what Belichick has on his mind. Cole Strange, after I did a little research, turned out to be one of the top offensive guards in this draft, so Belichick just went out and grabbed him, you know, Um, got a wide receiver also in the second round, Tyquan Thornton, pretty good player for Baylor, who had a nice passing game. Um,
0: I don't know these other guys too well. Yeah. Nothing. Well, they picked up two cornerbacks there, in, in the third and the fourth round, so trying to shore trying up that make defense up for a little bit losses.
1: more. Yeah, tighten up that defense a little bit. I don't know that maybe they should have made some more picks or uh, on the offensive side, but because uh, Shaq Mason's
0: going to be missed. And they picked up a running back also, Pierre Strong Jr. Uh so Yeah, boy,
1: South Dakota State. I don't know how it about him. Though. But you know, late round running backs have a tendency to pop up after camp too, kind of like those late round
0: offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, he got he has enough coaches and stuff to to help him get. Yeah, better. absolutely. Shoot, I, I I would hate to add up all of the coaching experience years on that team. Well over a hundred years, probably. Oh man, it's crazy. Because they had forty-seven listed for Belichick. So mm-hmm. that's half right. You got half of it right there. Right there. Half of right. two hundred. What's higher up than a Patriot on the net point power rankings? A Dallas
1: Cowboy. Cowboy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know our Philadelphia audience won't be happy to hear that, but it's Uh, a fact. Hell yeah. Well, your GM is listed, your owner is listed as your GM. That's one Jerry Jones, head coach Mike McCarthy, Rob Davis assistant head coach, so they have an assistant head coach. Offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and special teams coordinator John Fassel. So we got another hundred years worth of coaching experience. Yeah. On the sideline for the Cowboys. And then we have one Dak. Barry likes to call him Dakota Prescott. Dakota Prescott. Okay. Uh old Dakota
1: Prescott, I believe, is still on the cusp of being a very good quarterback to possibly being a great quarterback. We shall see. The GM is the owner. That's Jerry Jones. He's not only the owner and the GM, he's also the president. Basically, he's everything. He's the entire front office. (laughs) You know, Jerry Jones. But as much as people talk about Jerry Jones, the bonehead moves he's made, the bonehead things he said, the guy's a three-time Super Bowl champion. So what are you going to do? You know what I mean? The assistant head coach is Rob Davis, and the head coach is Mike McCarthy. Now, why Mike McCarthy needs an assistant head coach, I don't know. But let me tell you about Rob Davis. Tell me how, how interesting this sounds. Rob Davis went to Shippensburg.
0: Shippensburg.
1: Shippensburg right here in Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Tiny little Shippensburg in Pennsylvania. He was so he was selected by the New York Jets as an undrafted free agent in 1993. He was a long snapper <laughs> for his entire career with the Jets, the Bears, and the Packers. He also spent time on the Jets and the Chiefs practice squads between getting actual playing time with the Bears and the Packers between 1996 and 2007. Uh, That guy is the assistant head coach. (laughs) He, He has no coaching experience and spent all his playing days as a long snapper. How crazy is that?
0: There you go, Jerry Jones. <laughs> got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love it. His okay. Name, Mike McCarthy started. Wait, wait. This no. is over the next three coordinators that we're about to list. Yes. <laughs> each of which I'm not sure about was Kellamore uh, uh, ever a head coach? No, no. Okay.
1: Two out wait, of the three. Oh,
0: oh one, one
1: more thing about Rob Davis. He's black. Okay.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Bam. This dude checks all the boxes.
0: (laughs) But anyway,
1: uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy. uh, He started out with the Chiefs back in 1993. He was an offensive assistant. He served as a quarterback coach with the Chiefs and the Packers. He became offensive coordinator with the Saints in 2000 to 2004. He was offensive coordinator with the 49ers in 2005. And he then was hired as the head coach of the Packers and stayed there from 2006 to 2018. He became the Cowboys head coach in 2020. Offensive coordinator Kellen Moore talk about homegrown. After a short playing career as a quarterback from 2012 to 2014 with the Lions and 2015 to 2017 with the Cowboys, the Cowboys hired him as their offensive coordinator in 2018, bang. Wow. Now, here, here is sometimes uh, there, was, there were times last season when I heard people talk about the Cowboys defense, some positive, some negative. I know I talked a lot of positive, especially from, from a fantasy perspective, because their defense was like night and day compared to their defense the year before. It was far and away better over one year. Part of that reason, a lot of that reason, was their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Now, he started his career with the 49ers in 2001. He was the defensive line coach from 2003-2004 with the Niners and with the Dolphins from 2005-2006. And the same uh, served as a defensive line coach also for the Jets from 2007-2008 and for the Seahawks from 2009 to 2010. Now, he took over the defensive coordinator job from Gus Bradley in 2011, and he's the guy that cultivated the Legion of Boom. <laughs> he took the Legion of Boom from Gus Bradley and made them the Legion of Boom. Okay. He took those players, and he really got them off the ground. Uh, he did get a head coaching job, with the Falcons in 2015, held on to, to 2020. Unfortunately, he was the head coach for the Falcons when the Patriots came back from the depth of despair to beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And then he became the DC for the Cowboys uh, last season. And uh, we already talked about Dak Prescott. So these guys, mostly Jerry Jones, has got to keep this team together. He's got good coaches. I think Kellen Moore is actually a decent offensive coordinator. He's proven himself to be better than the offensive coordinator that they had before, whose name I don't even want to say because he's with the Giants
0: now, and I wish they would get rid of him. But, uh, yeah. All right, well, let's see what the brain trust put together for the roster reset here. Some ads. Oh, yeah, look at that, look at that. So how about we
1: look at uh, big addition being signing Mike Michael Gallup back. Of course, he's coming off of an injury, so it remains to be seen what he still got left. Dalton Schultz was a really good tight end last year, played really well. He's an up-and-comer in the uh, tight end ranks. And Demarcus Lawrence was re-signed. He's a mainstay on that Dallas Cowboy defense, so they don't lose too much there. Uh, They did lose, however, Amari Cooper, who was the number one wide receiver. They do still have C.D. Lamb, who expects to step up to that number one spot, so we'll see how that works out for them losing Amari Cooper. They also lost a big piece on their defense in uh, Randy Gregory and lost a big piece on their offensive line and Layell Collins. Those are major losses for the Cowboys. They're going to have to work hard to make up for that. In the draft, Tyler Smith, a very nice offensive tackle. So there's one makeup for losing Layell Collins. Uh, Offensive tackle who should be a plug and play. He's out of Tulsa. Uh, Sam Wilson, I'm sorry, Sam Williams, and outside linebacker from Ole Miss, should be pretty good. Uh, Jalen Tolbert got picked in the third round from uh, South Alabama I don't know a whole lot about him Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson should be a big guy should be a really good run blocker Uh, if you pair him up with Dalton Schultz as the pass receiving tight end and uh, Ferguson being the blocking tight end that should be a nice combination for the Cowboys there
0: All right, all right. Well, that wraps up the Cowboys. Uh, Next up, we have the number one net point team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Coming Coming in with a brain trust of Brandon Bean at GM, Sean McDermott at head coach, Ken Dorsey at offensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier at defensive coordinator, and Matthew Smiley at special teams coordinator, and one Josh Allen at quarterback, your favorite AFC team. My favorite AFC team and my team, my
1: early pick to get to and win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. And when? Yes. I'm going to stick my neck out right now and say they will win the Super Bowl this year. It's an early prediction. I reserve the right to change it, although I probably won't. Uh, Their GM is Brandon Bean. He was director of football operations and assistant general manager for the Panthers from 1998 to 2016. He's been the GM of the Bills since 2017. Their head coach is Sean McDermott. He was a defensive position coach for the Eagles from 2001 to 2008 and defensive coordinator for the Eagles from 2009 to 2010. And with the Panthers from 2011 to 2016, he became the Bills head coach in 2017. So you got a defensive minded head coach there. Uh, Offensive coordinator is Ken Dorsey. He was a quarterback coach with the Panthers. That's probably where he linked up with Sean McDermott from 2013 to 2017. And between 2019, between 2019 and now, he was the quarterback coach for the Bills. He is now their offensive coordinator. <clears throat> defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, Here is a guy that's been around for a while, served as a DB coach for the Eagles from 1999 to 2002, became defensive coordinator for the Bengals from uh, 2003 to 2004, was a defensive assistant and a position coach for the Colts and the Vikings before becoming the Vikings D.C. in 2008. He had a stint with the Vikings as their head coach in 2011 and, unfortunately, he was fired from the job but came back to the Buccaneers as a defensive coordinator slash secondary coach and did that for the Ravens also. And then he became the defensive coordinator for the Bills in 2017. And Josh Allen, no doubt about it, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now and still has room to get better. If these guys take care of him, continue to build the team around Josh Allen, I see him winning the Super Bowl and becoming a top quarterback in the league. Well, he's already a top quarterback in the league. So, again, I believe this team is ready to knock on the door and kick it in at the Super Bowl, led by Josh Allen.
0: All right, well, let's see who else is going along for this ride to the Super Bowl when the roster resets. Uh, Oh, you know what?
1: I'll tell you right now what catches my eye. Their big losses aren't very big. Emmanuel Sanders is on the back end of his career. Cole Beasley, uh, Mr. Unvaccinated, took a beating last season. And I heard a rumor he's with the Rams now. So I don't even, yeah, I think he's gone. Uh Darrell Williams was a pretty good offensive tackle. They'll miss him. Uh the big additions were snatching Von Miller away from the Rams. Hopefully they can squeeze one more really good season, <clears throat> season out of Von Miller. Uh OJ Howard came over from uh the Buccaneers. Again, OJ Howard, when I talked about him with the Buccaneers, he hasn't lived up to his promise. Perhaps he will now that he's on this team. And
0: Roger Saffold is a nice addition to the offensive line at guard. Where are we at here? Oh, the
1: draft. Ah, yes. So when we did the draft, I did my mock. And I picked five guys correctly going to the correct team. Uh, Not necessarily at the correct pick but going to the correct team that I, that I predicted. And this was one of them. In fact, the bills actually moved up to get Kyer Elam, a cornerback out of Florida. One of the top defensive backs in this year's draft. This guy's a plug and play. He'll be a starter from day one. In the second round, they snagged James Cook, a running back out of Georgia. James Cook should be pretty nice. In fact, Let me see. Is he – I think we got some bloodlines here. Um, James Cook. Who's his brother? Who's the running back for the Vikings? Dalvin. Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, running back out of Georgia. I like him. I like him. And that that running back room is not really nailed down. They got a couple guys – Devin Singletary played pretty well last year. But um, I don't think he's got the number one job nailed down. James Cook could go up there and make some noise at running back, possibly be a starter, although I think they like to run a committee up there. But he'll definitely get his name called. Uh, Terrell Bernard, nice linebacker out of Baylor, moves well. Uh, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. I don't know a heck of a lot about him or any of these other guys here. But uh, I see another punter. Matt Araza out of San Diego state. Kudos to a punter getting selected in round six. And I also see a player from Villanova. Let's mention him. I'm assuming this is why you have these guys listed. (laughs) Christian Benford, a cornerback out of Villanova. I like it. I like it.
0: Wow. Did we, did we do it again? Did we cover the whole rest of the NFL? Because that was it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We're that's done. That's it. That's the number one team right there. So we went 16 to number one. Whew. Every brain trust. Every roster reset. Make sure that when you're looking in on Ben & Barry that you do click that notification bell, that you do click that subscribe button, that you remember you can find us at www.benandbarryonfootball.com as well as all of your different social media. All right, I'm tired. I don't know about you, Benny. I'm wiped out, bro. That was a rough session. Any last words? (laughs) My only last words is go Knowles.